Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Asia Tech Podcast. We are going to Hong Kong to meet Terry Chan, the founder and chairman of the Hong Kong E-Commerce Supply Chain Association, a man who spent over 20 years with key brand names like DHL, Lazada, Alibaba, FedEx, CityLink, Yamato. He's going to bring his learnings to the show in the next 35 minutes. We're going to learn about what's happening in e-commerce, what's hot in Asia right now. Alibaba's 11.11, that's 25 billion sales of delivery in one day. How can you service a market like Asia with different time zones, different languages, a market like Indonesia, for example, where you have 17,000 different islands, who is best suited in their DNA to supply logistics to these markets? The old-fashioned U.S. approach or the modern Asian approach to new retail and logistics? We're going to learn about all of that coming right up on Asia Tech Podcast. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. Hello and welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. Today we are heading to Hong Kong to meet Terry Chan, who is the founder and chairman of the Hong Kong E-Commerce Supply Chain Association. We're going to talk about e-commerce, new retail supply chain experience, 20 years of experience working for, well, a whole range of companies from DHL to Lazada to Alibaba, Yamato, CityLink, FedEx. If anybody knows supply chain, e-commerce logistics, it's Terry Chan. Terry, welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm good, here. Good to have you here. So we're going to, I guess we're going to learn a lot about e-commerce, supply chain, new retail in the next 30 minutes. So let's talk about what's at the top of the table. Let's talk about the Hong Kong E-Commerce Supply Chain Association. That's quite a new initiative, which you founded last year. Tell us a little bit about why you started that and what are the big challenges that you face? Well, I think um, I think in the past, uh, people think logistics is not that important, to be honest. But uh, I think back to four years ago, you know, the Jack Ma, the chairman mm-hmm. of Alibaba, he said that uh, pure e-commerce will die, but it will bring along the new retail era. And um, new retail era, basically, we have uh, um, three component online plus offline plus logistics in modern term uh, supply chain. Mm. That's why you can see logistics in modern term supply chain will be getting more and more important, not only right now, but will be more important in the near future. Um, that's why um, I, uh, last year uh, uh, I start, I, I formed uh, this Hong Kong e-commerce supply chain association. Uh, we are the first and only one uh, non-profit organization here in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. which tailor for the senior management and leaders who are working in the e-commerce and e-retail industries and focus on supply chain management. Uh, we have three objectives. Firstly, we try to build a platform um, for the e-commerce retail supply chain leaders to share experience, to share knowledge. Um, secondly, we try to organize regular forum and seminar uh, in particular, we uh, cooperate with a uh, lot of overseas association. Thirdly, last but not the least, we, we try to provide an advisory to the government, uh, to some um, professional organization, and even to some international uh, organization. Um, right now, we have different kind of categories of members. We have a marketplace, we have um, vertical retailer, we have traditional retailers, and also we have some um, advisor from uh, uh, related industry. 
um, such as uh, DHL e-commerce, the uh, global CEO uh, is also our, uh, our advisor. Mm. We hope to build this association um, to help not only Hong Kong, but um, the countries nearby to uh, to develop the e-commerce, to develop the retail. You know, e-commerce is booming. But right now, I think in Hong Kong and China, we try to use the phrase, uh, the word of new retail, because new retail is not that um, simple about e-commerce, not that simple about O2O, but we try to develop an ecosystem. Yeah, within mm-hmm. this ecosystem, we have many what so-called um, uh, essential building block. We have logistic, we have uh, payment, we have category, we have uh, system. Yeah, that's why I think it is where the very big background why I have I want to uh, form uh, this association. Mm. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Terry. Let's talk about what conversations your members are having right now. Mm-hmm. If we were to gather the Hong Kong E-Commerce Supply Chain Association round a table, round a large table, if you like, mm-hmm. and what would be the conversation that dominates? What What are the sort of keywords and buzzwords that are thriving right now in e-commerce and e-retail supply chain logistics? Well, um, I think most of the time when we talk when we talk um, about uh, e-commerce or new retail, um, we 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 try to um, um, how to make use of technology mm. to help us to develop the online plus offline plus logistics strategy. Yeah, and in fact, um, we heard about a lot of uh, destructive technology nowadays. Um, such as data analytics, AI, AR, VR, and even blockchain. Mm. And also the impact on the not only supply chain, but uh, online and offline. Um, but as an in, uh, as industry, uh, we, as an association, we are really looking forward to see how these t- technologies to link up all the parties along the supply chain. Mm-hmm. And one of the key objectives is to how to reduce the operating low cost and increase the efficiency, and also um, uh, how to benefit to all the uh, um, stakeholders along the supply chain. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we'll dive into that in a minute. We'll learn Mm -hmm. a bit about what's happening in supply chain logistics and your views on some of the meta trends as well. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by the fact, Terry, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you've worked for, well, maybe 10 different logistics or e-commerce companies in your career over 20 years Mm -hmm. and Mm. what's interesting to me is that they come from different backgrounds so you have american logistics companies like the dhls Mm -hmm. of this world and you have the chinese like alibaba for example and you've worked for Mm -hmm. japanese companies like yamato yeah lazada which is obviously obviously part owned by alibaba but you know originating here in southeast asia Mm -hmm. many different cultures and attitudes towards logistics and supply chain have you seen different ways of approaching the problem differently or do they sort of share similarities? Is there a cultural bias or way of approaching the problem or challenge of logistics? Well, definitely. Um, Okay. When we look uh, at the industry, uh, basically uh, in terms of the logistics, we have different categories. We have express company, such as uh, FedEx, DHL or UPS, something like that. And then we have fixed forwarding company. And then we have kind of supply chain um, a solution provider. And even we have postal operators. And in order for one to fully understand, hey, what is the uh, industrial has been doing is um, you have to gain 
certain experience from this different uh, um, uh, segment. Mm. And when, when we look at the industry, uh, it is very rare to find someone who have who equipped with all the experience in express forwarding, supply chain, or even post operators. Mm. And put it and also um, they are all kind of VPL, what we third party logistics. And they mainly provide service. Yeah. Mm. But one of the reasons why I choose to work in a kind of in-house company such as Lazada and Alibaba, because we look things in different ways. For example, if you're working in VPL, um, you're mainly concerned about the um, um, the uh, uh, KPI. Mm. Yeah, the KPI. Uh, well, sorry, is they mainly concerned about the PNL. Mm-hmm. The PNL, but where when I was working in uh, in-house Alibaba or logistic, we mainly concerned about the um, the KPI. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why if we look at the same thing, we, we have different angles. That's why I can say um, for me, um, in order for me to fully understand the industry, um, I have to mm-hmm. equip with both experience knowledge, VPL and in-house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um- Let's just take a few of those examples just to understand a little bit. I noticed, for example, that you, interestingly, mm. you were the, the general manager at Yamato, the Black Cat. The uh, This was in, uh, where was this now? Or oh, was it general Ma- Sorry, just let me correct my notes. But you worked for Yamato, which yep. is the Japanese. I mean, I used to live in Japan. Yamato's famous for the, the Black Cat delivery. They yep. were... Uh, and mm-hmm. They operated in a very unique way. They would have these green yes. vans that that yeah. basically would. I, I don't know the system exactly, but whoever delivered your parcels to your mm-hmm. house in Japan yeah. would be the same guy, and he would operate in two streets or three streets, and mm-hmm. you know he would spend his whole day delivering to those streets and you would see him going up and down that street on mm-hmm. a daily basis, and he'd be parked yeah. by the side. He'd be having his lunch there. Um, but you'd see him around all the time. And when I, you know, he would know every single house. Mm. He would know, like, the, the Japanese address format is very, you know, chaotic. Yeah. Um, but he would know where everybody lived by their name. But it's just interesting. And I see a system like that. It kind of reminds me of those those Tiffin delivery systems in, mm. in India where it seems extremely chaotic. But mm-hmm. they're sort of, their error rate, I think they've sort of, done studies on these it's extremely low they're highly mm. effective they're, they're not using ai they're not using big data it's like a human mm. being with a lot yeah. of experience when you see a system like that and you look at it it seems to sort of go against what we're seeing now in the trends in logistics where you know they're applying big data or ai and they're having a very much a, a quantitative approach to understanding the problem it's a very human approach but it's very effective is that an anomaly with yamato is it just sort of you know, here's a system that works because it's been around hundreds of years? Or do you think that there's something in it that we're missing when we're trying to approach this big data approach to logistics? Well, I think I think um, not, on, not only about big data, but uh, I call all these kind of uh, destructive technologies because they're new. They try to shake the rule of the existing regulation. Um, I believe... Um, all these technology applications should be built on a good business plan. Yeah, I, I give you an example, illustrate this. Mm. I think a long time ago, uh, I was approached by a very famous um, logistic company. They claim they are very good system. Um, 
um, to tell me, hey, uh, how I can uh, improve the operational efficiency, lower the cost, something like that. Mm. And But I, in return, I ask them a, a very simple question. Hey, if I want to send something from China or Hong Kong to, let's say, uh, Indonesia, which company should I use? Mm. And they cannot respond to me. They just say, hey, um, we, we, we can only base on your data. Mm. And then we figure out, we make use of our system to advise you, hey, how to increase uh, the, the efficiency, decrease the cost. That's why I believe um, all these destructive technologies must be on a good business plan. That means you have to make sure your packages should be delivered um, by the right means, right partner, to the right place at the right time. That is something related to what you said about Yamato. Yeah, yes, they they have a lot of, um, we have a lot of system to, to make use of to uh, optimize the routing or something like that. But they have to apply to the right pace. After the very reason why um, their courier uh, were fam- try to familiarize with the, their customer is they want to build a relationship. Mm. And also this kind of courier, they not only deliver the packages, they also perform some selling function. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They take they, money as well, right? Yeah, of course, in return. Yeah. They will try to understand the list of, of the uh, consumer and then they will try to, uh, to sell the appropriate um, um, solution. Mm. But having said that, I think every technology is great, but the ones that can work with other technology and make all the difference when it mm. comes to the new world application. And I give an example. For example, we heard about a lot of blockchain application. Um, blockchain may be aimed to build a safe and trustworthy mechanism where uh, uh, about big data technology, they aim to consolidate analysis data. And AI, they aim to build uh, um, the monitoring, to predict something as matching the resource. I think they have to work together. Mm. Yeah, work together and then um, bring out the value is something we we are really looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Do do you think there's, I mean, looking at that that end delivery the mm-hmm. the courier who actually delivers that parcel or letter to the house itself do you mm-hmm. think there's there is a role for a relationship it seems quite old-fashioned doesn't it when you talk about relationships in a world which is increasingly dominated by technology well um i think no, no matter what we are talking about uh, what kind of technology we're talking about but ultimately we have to fulfill the customer needs i give an example illustrate this when I was working in Alibaba Group, um, Lazada, we, we do have, I think, same as other uh, e-commerce marketplace, such as Amazon or eBay, whatsoever. We do have kind of uh, internal survey to understand, hey, uh, what is the, um, uh, for example, what is the um, the, the bank behavior? Mm. Yeah. For example, we, we try to understand, hey, what is the bank behavior worth the delivery time? For example, um, when you send something from China or Hong Kong to Singapore, for example, the, re- the survey found that the Singaporean won't be buy if the delivery time is longer than seven days. Mm. That means we have to work all the things backward uh, for the logic solution to make sure the packages can need to be delivered less than seven days. Mm. Yeah. If we're talking about um, Indonesia, longer, longer delivery time, maybe 10 to 11, 15 days. You know, for uh, Indonesia, they prefer uh, cash on delivery. That's why when we tailor this supply chain solution, we have to make sure this solution can um, have the uh, cash on delivery uh, uh, function. Mm. What we have been talking about is all about relationship. Yeah. 
And we have to, the closer relationship with the consumer, the better we understand their list and easier for us to um, develop the, uh, the supply chain strategy. Mm. But ultimately, uh, right now for say for supply chain, we are not simply say, hey, we deliver the packages from point A to point B. Actually, we the, the supply chain solution need to help the company to get business, mm. to mm. secure the business. But as I said, it's all about relationship. Closer the relationship with the consumer, um, easier for us to um, tailor the strategy. Absolutely. Well, I want to yeah. take that into the context of conversations about Asia now and yep. uh, what's happening in the Asian market. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned consumers and delivery times. Where where are we now in the sense that Amazon can deliver, in, for example, in Japan, Amazon can deliver Prime now within an hour mm-hmm. or two hours, I yep. think, in certain areas of Tokyo. Um, you know, are, are consumer expectations becoming unrealistic? And uh, are we able to deliver on those? Does it, you know, because if we if we draw the parallel to say travel, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at the speed of passenger airliners, you know, a Boeing or an Airbus, they've sort of reached their 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 peak, if you like, in terms of speed. You mm. know, Concorde obviously failed. You know, we're mm-hmm. not going faster and faster to police passenger needs. There's sort of now a sweet mm. spot, isn't it? We said, look, if we go any further, any faster, mm. you know, the costs are going to exponentially increase. This is the most yep. optimum speed. Are we at mm-hmm. that, Where are we now in logistics? Because people now want delivery by drones, or do they? Are mm. we just sort of, are we setting ourselves up for failure by expecting them an hour or two hours instant delivery? Well, I think, um, you know, from the consumer's perspective, they want uh, um, cheaper, faster, and better. (laughs) As always, as always. (laughs) (laughs) But from the the company's point of view, uh, yes, in some way we want to achieve all this, but in reality, we can't. That's why we really have to strike a balance. Um, Um... but uh, th- that's why we really have to strike a balance um, uh, for the uh, delivery time, the mm-hmm. speed, and also the cost. And but I think in in the past three or four days delivery is fine. But right now we are talking about time definite delivery, one or two days. If you are selling some food, we're talking about on demand delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I think uh, I think in the past or even up to now, the logistic company. Um, they really have to adjust their uh, strategy. I think in the past, a lot of logistics company, because they want to get the market share, win the business, they try to offer very cheap price. Mm. Yeah, that is. But if you want to achieve the uh, effort increasing uh, custom demand, it is uh, it is not good. Mm. Yeah. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. That's why in some way, uh, I think from the logistics company's perspective, they have to offer uh, good service, but uh, with a reasonable pricing to make sure, because you know, if you apply drone or whatsoever, this kind of thing, you have the cost mm. to, to, to sustain it. That's why, um, I don't know, but I, I think um, uh, in the future, um, the logistics company have to really think about, hey, um, they should maybe increase the cost or offer a sustainable cost, reasonable cost, in order for, for them to offer um, a good service. Yeah. 
when i was a kid terry mm. you know we <clears throat> would expect 28 days for delivery <laughs> you know that's how it was you, you'd you'd write off you know you'd post yeah. it was always by envelope you send off your yes. post and you'd yep. write your check and mm. 28 days later if you were lucky you got Mm. the seat not the cd the tape or the album you ordered yeah yeah and that's if it didn't come back with your check stapled to a note saying sorry we're out of stock right but that's mm. that's how it was in the 70s and 80s that's what we expected i mean looking forward will we be you know in the future you know mm -hmm. would it be possible at some point i mean how close or is it just you know will we plateau out one or two hour delivery from mainland china to asia would a you know we're talking sort of star trek stuff Mm -hmm. Or because nobody could have seen back in the 70s or 80s where we we're doing 28 days for delivery that we could have same day delivery. That was just incredible. Mm. Nobody could have foreseen it. Is, is that a future that we're looking at? Or will we reach a, an optimum spot? We say, look, we just can't get it beyond this. When, when, when we look at the future, I think we, we, we try to deliver um, uh, as soon as possible, uh, I can say. Mm. Um, but I think it is something we we can do because uh, you know there's a lot of technology right now we can make use of. Uh, for example, um, uh, data uh, computing, data analytics, that can help us to uh, optimize our routing, and mm. also we make use of data analytics uh, that can help us to predict the buying behavior of the consumer. That's why uh, when we look at the uh, eleven eleven, what Alibaba has been doing. Um, as far as I, I can remember, the first package to be delivered uh, last 11.11 is talking about several minutes of time. Mm. How can how can they did it is make use of the data analytics to predict the buying behavior of the consumers. And um, that's why I think uh, in the future, we the only way we can achieve this is make use of uh, technologies to help us to um, increase the operational efficiency. Mm. But having said that, having said that, um, in terms of the delivery time, um, if you are working as an e-commerce player, uh, we are not only emphasize the speed as fast as possible. We also uh, emphasize more consistent, in mm. particular uh, uh, during fast fuel, during, during peak season. We try to think about if you order something last week, on the web, it took about seven days. But next week, it, it took you about uh, 15 days. Mm. That is not a very good customer experience. That's why we emphasize maybe kind of day range definite, maybe 10 to 12 days, something like that. Mm. In particular, during fast field, during peak season. Yeah. Yeah. This is the challenge, isn't it? Because you have yeah. these marketplace platforms now mm -hmm. which are selling third-party vendors or third-party merchants yeah and mm. alibaba is an example amazon is an example and they all have different delivery and logistics partners right so yep. consistency in the experience must be one of the biggest challenges now i'm curious your point about 11.11 i mean let's let's talk about that mm -hmm. for those that don't know outside yep. of asia we're talking what 25 billion dollars in sales in a day Mm -hmm. right and mm. that's that's us dollars not hong kong dollars right so you yeah. know phenomenal and i think they were doing at peak sixty thousand transactions in a second i believe mm -hmm. at the absolute peak you just shared with us that the first delivery was delivered or dispatched in several minutes what was the the story i mean how 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 on earth is that possible what kind of machinery what kind of mindset is required to make that happen because you are dealing mm. with 
tens, if not hundreds of millions of transactions in a day. What what goes on yes. behind that? Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, we um, we make use of kind of uh, data analytics. Um, well before the 11-11, uh, uh, we make use of the data, uh, historical data, mm. uh, and then we predict, hey, uh, where will be the consumer? Uh, and then we try to um, <clears throat> place, uh, we try to deliver the packages to the nearest kind of um, uh, warehouse or terminal mm. um, as close to the consumer as possible. Yeah. So when we step into 1111, um, um, the, the, the courier company will deliver the packages from the nearest station or, or terminal to the consumer. That's why the only that's why we we can do this mm. that's fascinating so let me yes. understand so you predict what kind of goods and how much they're going to sell where and yep. based let's say for example mm. these nike air jordans are going to be popular and we mm -hmm. predict we're going to sell this based on previous sales previous 11 11s and similar yep. kind of patterns this is what we think mm. we're going to sell we're yep. going to place 100 pairs of these Nike Air Jordans in this warehouse because mm. we predict around that warehouse there's going to be this many sales. Yes. Okay, gotcha. That that's yeah. I mean to to be able to do that successfully is pretty amazing because there's a lot of variables going on here, right? Yes, exactly, yeah. Mm. Okay, well let's talk about that. Let's talk about where we are now in Asia. Mm. Mm -hmm. Alibaba, Tencent, Amazon maybe later to the scene, but these are the big players now in the retail mm. space. We, we've had a lot of acquisition, Alibaba, Tokopedia, Lazada, obviously, mm. and yep. ten, Tencent with Shopee and Gojek yep. and other sort of smaller players like Pomelo Fashion. So mm -hmm. there's been a lot of movement, less so this year, but 2017, there was a lot going on. Um, mm. Amazon obviously haven't committed fully to Singapore. They, I mean, but mm. they have their sort yep. of, outpost here um, and looking mm. obviously Amazon very successful in Japan already mm. what's happening what do you foresee happening in the next couple of years in the e-commerce space in Asia what, what do you think we're going to witness with these sort of three well extremely cash rich companies descending mm. upon Asia well I think some 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 people okay first of all I think e-commerce has been booming I can say in particular in Asia in particular in Southeast Asia and um, some people said hey um, already dominated by say Alibaba or Amazon, but I but I, I I can tell you I think even Alibaba Amazon um they they came to the uh, Asia Southeast Asia market, but they still um contribute to a very more percent mm. uh, of the whole e-commerce market. I don't have to figure, but it's uh, it's very more percent. Uh, that's why we can see um a very huge opportunity. To grabs in the future, and I, I can share with you some uh, um, uh, data. For example, uh, the percentage made online, uh, the percentage made online, the, the percent of retail made online in Southeast Asia, uh, except Singapore, is uh, relatively higher. It's talking about maybe ten percent. Mm -hmm. The rest of the countries in Southeast Asia is well below three percent at this moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why you can see a huge opportunity uh, for e-commerce. Okay, even though Alibaba came, Amazon came, but we talk about the wealth below 3% is a mm. huge potential. Yeah. Mm. And the second point is, um, it is very rare for us to find a single company who can do all the things 
within the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like logistic, payment category. Category means whether you sell your things locally or cross-border. Uh, sellers use many different kinds of ERP systems. They are highly integrated by technology. That's why, uh, to, to sum up, huge potential uh, for e-commerce in mm. the near future. Yeah, very interesting data that you shared there. So mm. I know we're just talking rough figures now, but you're saying yep. outside of Singapore, for example, that, you know mm-hmm. the market's 10% plus online. Indonesia has to be a big factor there. I mean, that's a yep. fascinating one, isn't it, as a market, because you've got a very young population, exactly, um, yeah. a mobile population who mm. want to buy, Mm-hmm. Yet, at the same time, possibly the biggest logistical challenge of all. I mean, Jakarta itself is, what, 30 million people, I suppose, mm-hmm. in the, the, the mega city. Yep. And you have Gojek, which really is a solution to terrible traffic. You know, how, if, if you went into that market in a place like Indonesia, how do you, how do you deal with that? Because, you know, you want to create a, a service that matches the expectations of consumers, yet... Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just the thought of getting a package from one end of the city to the other mm. in, in a day is, mm. you know, it's a massive logistical challenge, isn't it? What's yes. happening? I mean, how are logistical um, players dealing with that market now? Uh, I think uh, uh, specific, specifically for Indonesia, um, is, uh, we believe, uh, we think uh, it's the most difficult Mm. to perform the supply chain solution in Indonesia because of lots of islands. Uh, so I think there should be more than 17,000. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah thousand in, uh, in Indonesia. That's why um, uh, it is very difficult mm. for a single company they can perform all these delivery uh, supply chain function. That's why they have to work, they have to cooperate with many different partners mm. uh, along the supply chain. Um, in fact, uh, in the uh, uh, kind of ecosystem, some company um, we have different kind of uh, um, um, segment of uh, player. Some kind, something like um, traditional uh, um, forwarding company, they they were good at airfare or seafood. Some are very good at the last mile, specific in certain area such as West Java or East Java, yeah, mm-hmm. or within Jakarta area. Some um, can do everything, uh, start from first mile, light haul, custom current until last mile, but it's very rare. That's why um, they have to really work together, cooperate with, with others. Uh, but having said that, right now, um, one of the key challenges for, for supply chain uh, solution is the lack of end-to-end visibility. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you can try to think about like, if within a single company, the lack of a good IT system, how can they communicate with other partners along the supply chain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why visibility is important? Because as a consumer, I want to know, we want to know, hey, where is my packages? Anywhere, anytime. Yeah. From the um, e-merchant's point of view, they have a commitment to their consumer. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, by how many days I have to deliver your packages? If I fell short of this commitment, Maybe they incur some kind of penalties. That's why, um, on one hand, from the emergent point of view or consumer's point of view, they want to have high and higher visibility. Mm. But from the VPL uh, point of view, uh, it is quite difficult for them to uh, provide this end-to-end visibility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Especially the, the scenario you talked about yeah. in Indonesia where you've got many, many different types of partners yeah, and and I guess some of them don't even have 
you know, 21st century back office exactly. supply chain yeah. computers yeah. in place. You know, mm-hmm. it could be the guy just doing the sea freight, right? Yep. I mean, is that, that, that must be one of the biggest challenges, right? Because, you know, to crack these markets, an Alibaba or a Tencent or even an Amazon has to have end-to-end uh, mm-hmm. you know, visibility of, of the data. Yep. Yet all, all their different partners are moving at different speeds, you know, yep. how do you deal with that? What's the, what, what's the approach to that kind of challenge? Because that could be a real, you know, headache for any general mm. manager going into a new market like that. Right. Well, I think in, um, in general, um, this kind of challenge can be, can be classified in three categories. Um, the first is about the regulation. The second is about the, um, what I call internal resistance kind of a mindset. Yeah. The third is about uh, some operational challenges. Um, um, for kind of regulation, when we talk about the cross-border, um, most of the time it is um, affected by the, um, the customer regulation. The customer regulation. Well, now we can see all this regulation has been changing a lot of time. Yeah, changing a lot of time. That makes it very difficult for, uh, for us to adapt to understand. The second thing is about the mindset. Um, most of the people working in the supply chain, they are uh, quite old school in terms of mindset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because when we talk about e-commerce, one of the two distinctive characteristics of e-commerce is they move very fast. Mm. Secondly, they change very fast. We Most of the time, we don't need a very good um, um, SOP before we implement. We just have an idea, and then we go ahead. Yeah. Mm. But when we compare a um, very large multinational company, um, they normally they need to have a very good SOP, make sure it is right before implementation. Yeah. That's why for, for the people working in the supply chain, they have to transform their mindset. Mm. They try to think about from the e-commerce uh, company point mm-hmm. of view. The third is about kind of um, operational challenges. As I mentioned earlier, we see a lot of we heard about a lot of destructive technology in the market, but are they really applicable to the supply chain? Mm. Uh, I give an example. Um, uh, right now, we try to uh, <clears throat> one of the um, most popular technology we make use is kind of uh, we put everything to the cloud, mm. make it more reliable. We move all the intermediaries to we try to link all the system within a company or between company along the supply chain. Once we did it, uh, we can significantly improve the operational efficiency and, and cut down the cost. And then we, we should consider all this kind of destructive technology, AI, blockchain, something like that. Mm. We heard about a lot of blockchain application, but is that, um, do we need to develop a new operating system just for blockchain or this blockchain system can and they can work with our existing system, what are the costs either way? We don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, when we see the market, um, the majority of this blockchain application is dominated by big companies, such as Alibaba or mm-hmm. Walmart or something like that. And the lack of an international standard to benchmark with. That's why, as an SME company, we are really looking forward um, to have some successful case so that we can benchmark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's fascinating. Mm. 
where you know who's leading the market now you talk about the larger companies like the alibabas and you know yep. maybe that platform then becomes available like to the mom mm -hmm. and pop stores the smes and so on you know and then where where are we now in asia if we look at the history of logistics and mm. you know obviously logistics has been closely tied to the military for many many years and then mm -hmm. you know you go into the 19th century and then you have what the telegraph and railroads which really redefine logistics mm. and you, you very much i suppose for the 19th century and into the 20th century it was the it was america that redefined mm -hmm. logistics and you know from that came the the brands that we're familiar with today mm. you know it started out mainly as you know the guy on the horseback you know now to where we are with like ups and fedex and so on mm -hmm. yeah. so america has driven that for more than 100 years and in that time we've seen some technological disruptions like the telegraph the railroads automation mm -hmm. and so on what's happening now i mean if we look at where logistics are in the us and where we are in mm -hmm. asia you've mentioned mm -hmm. alibaba example and, and so mm -hmm. on you know is there fundamentally a different approach do you do you think that Alibaba in terms of logistics is just more operationally efficient or are they approaching it with a different mindset to how the US has done it for the last hundred of years? Is it a qualitative difference? Is there a step change happening now? As somebody coming from mm -hmm. America looking at Asia, would they think, wow, these guys mm -hmm. are really know what they're doing, that they're really doing it differently to how we've been doing it for the last hundred years. What's mm -hmm. going on? How could you sort of compare these different approaches? Well, I think... Uh, <clears throat> I think not only in Asia, but um, I think as a whole, uh, the growth, the development of supply chain logistics cannot really catch up with the development of the e-commerce at the moment. Mm. Yeah, that's why um, um, we mm. see uh, we see that uh, for the logistics uh, are still not really efficient at the moment. And put it in that way, is a room to get it more efficient in the future. Um, for the case of Alibaba, um, unlike Amazon, they um, they not Alibaba not prefer to build the logistic infrastructure by their own. They prefer to build a platform to link all the partners together. Yeah, mm. and um, um, I think this um, this practice is very. Um, we can see a lot of this are practice along mm. Asia. Um, people try to work together right now. Yeah, this is a trend right now. Mm. And um, also, if you think about, if I am Alibaba or JD, they have an abundance of resource. They can build up everything, yeah, mm. if they want. But if we are uh, SME, you know, resource is limited. It is low way for us to build everything. That's why in the future, we emphasize lighter supporting model. Mm. Lighter supporting model. That means uh, you have to focus on specific segment. For example, if you are a, a last mile company, maybe you just focus on the last mile delivery part. Mm -hmm. If you are a light haul, you focus on the light haul, something like that. And then you um, and then you cooperate with other partners along the supply chain. That's the one the trend I observe in the Asian market mm -hmm. right now. Why then you build up all the things by yourself? Yeah, yeah. 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 That's a very Asian approach to the problem yes. as well, isn't it? Which yep. Yep. maybe is more in their DNA, more consensus yep. based to the solution. Would mm -hmm. would the sort of traditional American approach be to just do everything in one 
standard oil style logistics supply chain where they own top to bottom? Well, I think in the US they are more standardized uh, in terms of the um, the standard or the when we look at the not only US but the Europe, they are more standardized in everything, the mm. custom clearance, the regulation. But in Asia, in particular in Southeast Asia, um, the market is, is very fragment, fragmented. Mm. Yeah, and every country has its own standard and requirement and policy. Mm. That's why um, it is um, very difficult, if uh, if not possible, if not impossible, to uh, um, make use of one single uh, what so called best practice and then apply to all the single countries. It's very difficult. That's why when we have to develop the logistics solution in uh, Asia, in Southeast Asia, we have to really understand um, the needs of the practice of every single country. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, when you mm. go back to look at Indonesia, Terry, you can see exactly how that approach would work. You know, applying yep. a standard approach mm. would fail, wouldn't it? I mean, in terms of the the mode of operations, you just wouldn't be able to cope with having so many different moving parts, yep. different ways of doing things and different standards, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the Asian approach is much more flexible and adapted towards that. And you could see yep. an Alibaba or a Tencent be much more successful because it's in their mm. DNA, right? Yes. Well, these are fascinating times. And Terry, I've really enjoyed our conversation and you know our walk through e-commerce and supply chain logistics in Asia. And yep. um, very much looking forward to meeting you. We'll meet up next week at uh, Startup Launchpad in Hong Kong. So looking forward to that event and finding out more yep. about yourself and you'll be presenting as well. What are you going to be talking about in Hong Kong next week? Well, I am, I, I'm going to talk about um, supply chain innovation, um, how we can uh, employ supply chain innovation to win the business in the new retail era. Mm. And uh, as I said earlier, supply chain uh, not only getting more and more important right now and will be getting more and more important in the near future, how they can support to develop your online plus offline strategy. Mm. Exactly. So yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? The supply chains emerging not just as a hygiene factor in business, but mm -hmm. actually as a, a core strategic advantage yes, exactly. in many cases, right? So. Yep. Well, I look forward to that. I look forward to that session and learning more about what you do and that whole logistics and e-commerce new retail space. Terry, thank you so much for coming on to the show today and sharing with us your thoughts and your insights and look forward to seeing you in Hong Kong. That's Terry Chan, everybody, who is the founder and chairman of the Hong Kong E-Commerce Supply Chain Association. Terry, what would be the best way for people to reach out to you? What's your preferred channel of contact? Uh, they can be shown to me for LinkedIn. Yep. Excellent. Okay. Yep. I'll put all the details in the show notes. Thank you so much, Terry. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yep. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.